Our Gospel reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep, my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. 
May God bless our understanding of this sacred story. And I invite you to remain seated as we sing together new words, familiar tune, When Christ Appears. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The last time Peter smelled charcoal was on the worst night of his life. It had been bitterly cold the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested and dragged off to be interrogated by the high priest. Peter had followed his rabbi as far as his courage could reach. It got him to the gate. He could not quite bring himself to step through the gate into the courtyard of the high priest. So he had lurked outside, heart racing, mind spinning, trying to blend in with the crowd, warming themselves by a charcoal fire. Peter had been following Jesus since the beginning. At least that's what it felt like. He could hardly remember who he was before he became a disciple. He hadn't even gone by the same name. Upon their first encounter, Jesus had the audacity to look Simon in the eye and declare that from henceforth, he was to be called Peter. Who even was that man named Simon? Was he still buried within somewhere? Should he go back to being that guy, Simon the fisherman, now that the Messiah was in custody? Could he? But he was not Simon, the simple fisherman. He was Peter, the disciple. And the people knew it. He couldn't blend in. They recognized him for who he was, for what he was. You're one of them, aren't you? They said. And he denied it. Not once, not twice. Three times, he denied it. I am not, I am not, I am not. And just as fragrant incense lifts the prayers of the faithful to the Lord on high, the smoke from that charcoal fire carried Peter's lies from his lips to God's ears. I love Peter, impetuous, imperfect Peter. His name means rock, but he doesn't seem quite substantial enough to have such a weighty alias. He makes an art of the grandiose gesture. He isn't afraid to get wet, 
Remember when he was the one to step out of the boat onto the water, only to sink when his fear got the best of him. On this Eastertide morning, he is not afraid to get wet. He doesn't bother to wait for the boat to return to the shore. When he realizes that his risen Lord is standing there, Peter cannonballs into the water with the pure joy of a Labrador retriever, racing to meet his master. And it was when he stepped out of the sea and onto the land, water dripping from his body, that that familiar smell wafted into his nose, sending his olfactory receptors into a tizzy. That smell. Scientists tell us that scent is the sense most profoundly connected to memory. And the smell of a charcoal fire was not a good memory for our poor Peter. There's this part of me that expects him to slink away, mortified. He had failed so spectacularly. He had fulfilled that terrible prophecy by denying Jesus three times before the cock crowed. How do you recover from something like that? But that's the thing about resurrection. Nothing can ruin it. Not even your worst failures, your deepest shame, your darkest secrets. God has revealed himself to be so much more amazing than we had dared to believe. So much more forgiving so much more loving, so much more powerful, and not the kind of power that zaps sinners with firebolts, the kind of power that suffers and weeps and dies, only to be raised to new life, making a mockery of death once and eventually for all. In the face of all that goodness, you just can't summon the energy to fret about your failures. You forget yourself because you are so distracted by the beauty before you. Jesus does not castigate his fair-weather friend. He invites him to breakfast. Breakfast. And then, after they've eaten their fill of bread and fish. Jesus gives Peter the grace of three more questions. He doesn't get it. We can't really expect him to get it. Peter never gets it. But as the embers burn, each of Peter's prior denials is undone, one at a time. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Yes. And that last time that hurts, 
But sometimes, grace has a sting to it. Peter, do you love me? Yes. And each time, he's given a charge. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Even these imperatives are a gift. They give Peter something tangible to do, to live the good story he so desperately wants to live. Maybe the simple tasks of feeding and tending are a little less daunting to one like Peter. Maybe he was the kind of guy who needed to take small steps. Even if he was destined to be the rock upon whom the church was built, if he thought about that too much, he'd flake again. Better to keep it simple. Feed the sheep. The rest will fall into place. So the charcoal smoke has been redeemed. I hesitate to take us back to the night it was still the scent of betrayal and fear. But sometimes the preacher can't take the risk of telling it too slant. Sometimes the preacher has to be a bit forward, even maybe a little bit rude. Friends, we are supposed to see ourselves as Peter. He is our stand-in. He is the body double for the body of Christ. There isn't a Christian alive or dead who hasn't, in some way, denied Jesus. Maybe we haven't said it in so many words, but how often do we go about our business without so much as a cursory glance at the glory of God? As one Christian confesses, sometimes I go for days without even really thinking about Jesus. Prayer, reflection on scripture, quiet meditation, I don't have time for that. Other priorities clamor for my attention. My pressured life is just like everybody else's, and I decide it's all up to me. My identity at such times is not in my Lord, but solely in myself. I forget about Christ and life becomes all and only about me. I don't just deny my Lord. I don't even give him the time of day. I simply forget to make room for him in my life, and I no longer see myself and my life in him. But just as we are Peter, in his denial, we are Peter in his restoration. No matter how far we wander from the truth of who we are in Christ, we are drawn back into his embrace. We are reminded of our true identity as God's beloved sons and daughters. And we are dared to fulfill our true calling as servants of mercy. May we be so lucky 
as to encounter the risen Christ around our own breakfast tables and charcoal fires. And when he asks us if we love him enough to feed his sheep, may we be just bold enough to say yes with our lips and with our lives. Amen.